0: Good afternoon everyone. This is Marjorie Papsteinmetz. I want to welcome you to Caregivers Speak. We thank our audience as always for joining us. Uh, today uh, we're going to do part two of such an interesting topic, collaborative divorce. And um, I'm welcoming our guest back, uh, Wendy Aiken. Um, first, I would encourage you all, to be sure to go to ecarediary.com and mycaregivingcoach.com, where you're going to find so many caregiver resources that I think will be so helpful for all of you. So be sure to do that. And as always, we'll be archiving this show. So um, I'll mention that again at at the end of our conversation. So... We're back with Wendy Aiken, and today, uh, being part two, our topic is how can caregivers rebuild their lives after a divorce. Wendy is going to be recapping part one in a moment, but first I'd like to introduce you to her. Wendy Aiken is a Winter Park family law attorney with the Aiken Family Law Group. She's practiced family law in central Florida for almost four decades, and is devoted to lessening conflict and pain for couples and their children experiencing divorce. She is a State of Florida Certified Family Law Mediator and the immediate past president for 11 years of the Collaborative Family Law Group of Central Florida. Her vision is to change the way people experience divorce with the goal of respectful, out-of-court collaborative or cooperative divorce that helps individuals find a new path forward without the hurt and bitterness that can often accompany contested litigation. Her office provides a safe and welcoming environment to explore divorce options. I can attest to that. I've been to Wendy's law offices And I can assure you they don't look anything like any law office I've ever been in. They're comforting, plant-filled, painting-filled, beautiful oriental rugs on the floor, and lots of food that can comfort people as they work through their divorce options. Um, Having litigated the first half of her career, Wendy knows the law, and she knows the difference between the courtroom experience and what she does now, and the available settlement models for resolving conflict. And I would just like to add that during our last um, radio show, we specifically talked about the growing number of caregivers, particularly who, after a long chronic disease, they and their spouse um, consider and often go through a collaborative divorce. So welcome, Wendy Aiken. Thank you so much. It's so good to have you back. Would you summarize our first show? Um, Our first show really looked at the uh, specifics of, is divorce inevitable? And what would be options for caregiver divorce, and specifically collaborative divorce?
1: One of the things that I did not touch on that I want to begin with is to say that so many people feel like when they come through the door of an attorney's office after setting that first appointment that the path is inevitable and that it's the beginning of the end. And it doesn't have to be that way. I encourage everyone, get information. If it's even something you're considering, don't just trust what friends or family have said or someone who thinks they know it all because they've been through a divorce take the opportunity to just become informed. I think knowledge is power, and whether you ultimately ever proceed with a divorce or not, at least you'll know what are the positives, what are the negatives, what's the upside, what's the downside, what will I be looking at in the future. And, and that's true regardless of what kind of divorce process you ultimately experience, but at least then you'll be armed with information. Collaborative is one of the ways we love to see people divorce who have made the decision to divorce. It's a team approach where you not only have the two attorneys, one represents one spouse, one the other, but we also have a shared joint facilitator, or what we call also sometimes a mental health neutral on the team, and we have a financial person. So those two add ons, the mental health neutral and the financial neutral, are joint and shared and are a part of the process from front to back. All the meetings occur in a private, confidential, quiet setting at one of the lawyer's offices. Nobody ever sees the inside of a courtroom. And together, the couple works through all of their financial issues and if there are children involved, the personal issues involving parenting and time sharing, and anything else that might come up it results in a final collaborative marital settlement agreement and then we proceed to divorce in the court system only to the extent of grant the final judgment we're done so it's a it's a beautiful process when
0: yes. it works that was a wonderful summary and when you say neutral does that mean these two other people the mental health and the financial person that they provide specific factual information about the options that those people are looking at
1: yes and they actually help the attorneys too because the financial neutral for example will pull together the equitable distribution worksheet that encompasses all of the assets and all of the liabilities of the marriage so that we can then begin to divide them up and decide who gets what we look at the tax consequences with the help of the financial we look at income numbers and expense numbers and determine lifestyle needs and what are the needs going forward and what is the amount of money available to meet the needs of the family. And that way we have one financial person gathering all of that and one financial advising both and sharing their expertise to help get us
0: to the other side. I would think um, from caregivers that I've met, not all, but many who are struggle with the issue of, you know, the role is so different now with my spouse, and I've lived through this chronic disease for so long. We both have in many ways, the, the loved one and the, the person, the caregiver, that collaborative divorce would be a gentler form of exploring options. For caregivers
1: in particular. I think that's truly the case. And if we need to bring in ancillary professionals that we call allied professionals to help advise on Social Security issues or disability income issues or educational or behavioral services that might be available, we have those resources within our collaborative group in our allied professionals. And what we need, we reach out and get and help the family work their way through the issues associated with some of those caregiver options and possibilities that develop.
0: Yeah, because the financial piece, as we get older, gets more complicated typically, like you've been discussing. And I can see there would be so many movable parts in the financial aspect of a marriage um, that this type of approach would be so much more useful than hit and miss in a courtroom Yeah, we can deal with life insurance going
1: forward. We can deal with disability coverage. We can deal with long-term or short-term care. We can deal with options around claiming Social Security and how does that impact alimony or other needs. So, yeah, our goal is to to be kind of a one-stop shopping for all of the needs as they come up. And sometimes you don't always know on the front end But you find out midway through because someone decides to sell a house, for example, and, you know, what's the best real estate opportunity, who will we use, you know, how do we structure it,
0: and we have those resources. That's great. Yeah, it's a team, really focusing on that team approach versus the one lawyer. Um, Adversarial, not adversarial, because in a traditional litigated
1: model, you would potentially have two financial people or... You know, two people trying to do the parenting plan or whatever it might be that the mental health neutral is able to help with, and this way it's all
0: contained within that team. Yeah. And, you know, our caregivers listening out there know that often, and usually these days, that medically, in the medical, medical world, uh, care comes from a variety of people, a team. And so in many ways it just makes sense that in the legal world that that would be the case and that one could get much more higher quality in this case of legal services, of a legal, legal solution rather than um, an adversarial.
1: Health insurance is always an issue. We've been able to help shop that and determine what the options are there because often one spouse no longer has the health insurance from the person who was the primary wage earner and now they've got to try to figure out what are they going to do and how are they going to make that work. That can become a huge problem. So that's one of the aspects we look at. Um, You know, you see situations, too, where one person is just not going to have the same money that they were used to having, in particular if they were in the caregiver role. How do we help support that? How do we bolster that? What are the resources? What are the options there?
0: Yeah. Um, I could see a caregiver um, thinking, "Well, I might want to go back to work. Can I find someone who'll help me um, think about a new resume <laughs> and not, put together no, my skill mm-hmm. set?" Not only that, but we've
1: utilized elder care specialists to help with if you're not going to be the primary person, who can we bring in? What assessments need to be done in terms of the level of care needed? So. You know, we try to meet the needs of the people, where they come from, where they come in.
0: Yeah, this is so interesting. Are there uh, any other challenges that are more prominent than others uh, for caregivers versus the general population? I think it's a
1: function of time, depending on the spouse, particularly if it's a child that's disabled and you're, you're taking care of a chronically ill child. Um, or a child who has serious incapacity issues where they're not going to get better and are going to need lifetime care, you may have just lost the other half of your support network and are trying to build additional care in so that you aren't it and, and you do have some relief, and we try to help with those resources too and direct people where they can get the help and get the care whether it's through government programs or
0: government funding or private care. You're really in many ways, Wendy, um, helping people look holistically at their lives. And in th- these cases, helping people rebuild a life, or at least rebuild half of a life that they haven't had, um, and helping them look forward to to doing that. Um, Are there ever any um, spiritual, um, I know this is a a question that, you know, might come up. Do people um, ask for spiritual help during this whole process? Or is that something that you really don't attend to? The court
1: system certainly doesn't try to intrude in that area. Um, I can tell you that it does come up peripherally if someone at the end of the day wants an annulment or if someone wants the Jewish get, that's something where we can help facilitate that effort if that's something that someone wants to pursue at the end of the marriage. Um, As far as spiritual care, I think I can say that there are a lot of people who get a lot better in this process and feel like they reclaim who they are. Mm -hmm. I had a case very recently where... When the woman first came in, we were dealing with safety planning and the potential for domestic violence, and he has guns, and it was a very nerve-wracking time that we strategized very carefully, and this case just concluded collaboratively after only three meetings spread out over several months, and leaving my office, the woman said, I think I can fly.
0: Oh. that's So a terrible we, we came examples. such
1: a long way from where it started. And both people did. Both husband and wife made enormous progress in the process. So it's a container and it's a way for people to feel safe as they go through the divorce process. Divorce mm-hmm. doesn't have to be polarizing, doesn't have to be nasty, doesn't have to be mean. It's not throwing dirt up on each other. It can be what we call interest-based negotiation where you're kind of putting the problems and the issues in the middle of the table and you have a team of four professionals dedicated to solving it in the best interest of the family. Yeah. Along with the
0: input of the client. Yeah, They're not bystanders.
1: They're in it. Yeah.
0: They're not the The People aren't the problem. Their issues are what are being focused on. Exactly. It's not like we're blaming anybody. It's just, this is the way it is. Let's, think about it, and find all these options for it. I think that's really wonderful, and I love that. You know, to me, a spirituality is about learning how to fly in so many ways, mm-hmm. and that's a great mm-hmm. example. So um, what, throughout all of this, are there specific tips and strategies you'd suggest to caregivers um, Maybe thinking about you know I can't imagine that there are probably people out there today thinking oh you know I've thought about this for so long but you know there's so many hurdles and I feel so badly if I left my loved one and but and let's say that person is thinking I really should for my own sake pursue this and just find out more about it. What are some tips and strategies that you would offer? People develop roles in marriages,
1: and there are a lot of times where one person maintains all the books and records and the finances and pays the bills, and the other does not. If you are the not, think about opening some of the mail, making copies of some of the bills, having an understanding of what's in the brokerage account, you know, looking at the savings, what's going through the checking account, what do the credit cards say about how the spending was allocated. Just Begin simply to become more knowledgeable. Have you made loan applications and have there been financial statements completed as a part of that? Just kind of begin to do a little homework and gather some of the information so you are more informed and you are more ready to move forward.
0: That is a terrific tip. We all know, you know that when we're in a marriage, we get very lazy about the certain things that our spouse does, and they get lazy about the things we do. Exactly. That is an, a wonderful example to just become more knowledgeable about the things, the roles mm-hmm. that your, your spouse currently does. What else would you suggest for us?
1: Um, I think you need to be looking at where are you joint. You know, are there joint credit cards? Are you joint on your cell phones? Are you joint on your car insurance? Are you on the title to the vehicle? Get an understanding of what's in your name, what's in the spouse's name, and what is in your names together, because record title does not necessarily control, and if it's of the marriage, it's presumed to be a joint asset unless it came prior to the marriage, it predated the marriage, or it's an inheritance asset. But it's still good to know, am I on the deed to the house, or did I not go that day, and and is it in the spouse's name and not mine? Just understand what you really own and maybe what you don't own. You know, if you haven't been to the safe deposit box in two years, what's in there? Is it all still there? Do I need to inventory it? Um, If you're potentially the one leaving a home, do you need to take a video of each room? Do you need to kind of do an inventory of what you have and what you might be leaving behind to deal with later? Just kind of proactive things about how would some of these things look and what can I do to help the attorney and make their job easier? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And all of that you suggested prompts me to think, well, person would... Look through their files. What do they have in their And you know, you've got to get through your records, clean out your drawers, throw away all the extraneous stuff, and, and isolate the things that very well mm-hmm. may matter. Um, you'd be surprised how many people can't lay
1: their hands on their most recent tax return with people e-filing, you know, <laughs> right. they're kind of not paying as much attention to it, and ideally you want yes. to maintain several years of tax returns
0: so you can provide those. That's a really good point, too. I had a guest on last summer who was talking about, you know, final wishes. And he said, you know, because we're in e-commerce anymore and so many things, that finding records mm-hmm. isn't in the drawer anymore. It's right. on the computer. So, you know, that's a point to be really taken very seriously. Um, any other points? they have all been
1: great. <laughs> I think when you're looking at things like your life insurance, and different things that may have an expiration date on them. Because somebody may think, all right, I'm going to have the life insurance and that will carry me through if my former spouse were to die. But then you find out that, well, wait a minute, this policy ages out in four years and then that person is probably not eligible for coverage, so what are we going to do? What do we do to bridge that gap? And are you the survivor beneficiary on a retirement plan or are you not? If it's a military divorce, Have they been married long enough to where you qualify for benefits? It's just understanding what is my real benefit. If you're a state of Florida employee, what is my payout going to be when I retire? Am I going to have to cut that in half and share that with my spouse? Is there Mm -hmm. another way to manage it? But at least beginning to start to ask
0: the questions. Yeah, that's great. And I, I can also see if I were in the shoes of some of our listeners, they might be thinking, oh, gosh, this is really. This would really be tough. It would really be onerous and pull these things together. But in fact, I bet you know that a lot of what could be discovered is positive, not negative. Exactly. I mean, that we find that that people have forgotten exactly. about. <laughs> exactly. So looking into all this is really a positive. Can be a, a positive experience for many people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know. I. Head, and so. It can feel overwhelming, but part of the benefit of a team
1: when we have a shared financial neutral is that person takes the lead in doing a lot of that information gathering. If they're given permission, they can contact the broker, they can contact the banker, you know, they can contact the insurance agent, they can do a lot of the running around if that's what the couple chooses to have done. So that they need to feel like it's not all on them and that it really is a one day at a time. Nobody has it all pulled together and tied with a bow. It's scattered here, there, and everywhere. And we all go through that, and and we'll get there. We'll get there. That's what the team is there for, is to help make all those piece parts easier.
0: Yeah. Remind people... It is one step at a time, one day at a time, Mm -hmm. as it is in so much of life. Mm -hmm. Other than collaborative divorce, that's (laughs) how to get through life, right? (laughs) Well, you know, I loved your example about learning to fly. Um, Give us another example of just something that turned out well or perhaps not so well in the whole collaborative divorce
1: process. Well, when I was thinking about caregivers, we had a divorce not too, too long ago, where the husband had been gravely ill and literally went to Texas for a bone marrow transplant, didn't know if he was going to make it or not. So we were dealing with a lot of those issues. In the middle of the divorce process, her mother started having symptoms, ended up being diagnosed as either early on Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia. So this poor person was getting it at both ends of the spectrum, not sure the spouse would live, having guilt around potentially divorcing someone who wasn't going to make it, and got through all of that with the underpinning of the um, sensitivity of the people involved. And, you know, her mom is now in an assisted living that is affordable and is working. The husband has come back from his Um, bone marrow transplant and is still now able to be employed full-time, and she's moved forward with her life in a healthy way, but was it touch and go for a while? Was it real tough, and and did she struggle mightily? Yes, but there is light at the end of the tunnel, and people do come out the other side, And, and I think statistics say that the year after divorce is needed to really heal and regroup, and... You know, some people think when I make the decision to divorce, I can count from there. There's so much research that shows, no, the true healing does not begin until the divorce is done. And you've signed that final paper and you are divorced. And then you begin to look at, okay, it's all me now. Uh, What is that going to look like and how am I going to recreate my future? And have I divorced in a way that has met at least some of my goals for my future, whether it's housing, work, retirement? Free time,
0: pursuing hobbies, whatever it might be. And that's a, another wonderful example. And you mentioned the word guilt. And I can't imagine there are many caregivers out there who wouldn't feel guilt um, at raising the issue, um, as this person did in your example. But it's so interesting to see how I would guess that the guilt would also be tempered with relief, and that on the other side of it, as you said, at the end of the divorce, you've come out of it and said, you know, I I felt guilt, but through persevering, I came out and I'm much more relieved as an independent person. So any comments about that whole issue of guilt? Or suggestion you would give to our audience today? Well, there's no question that some people feel guilt during the divorce process,
1: particularly those that have made the choice to divorce and are having to deal with the consequences of that and and share the heartache and pain of that. But I would tell you that I've never met a divorce where it was all one person's fault. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It it always takes two to tango. You know, someone may present more flamboyantly with the problem, but it's often that quiet one who comes to the forefront during the process and you see a different side. It, It always takes two people. And, you know, sometimes people don't know what's best for them, and one might be ahead of the curve in terms of, this is going to be better for both of us at the end of the day. And part of the beauty of collaborative is that we, we have the ability to let that unfold. It doesn't go straight to polarization and, and negativity. We look at, all right, what are the pros and cons? How can we come out the other side the best possible? And what do we do to help the one who needs time to catch up and get there? And what support can we offer? So it
0: doesn't have to end badly, and it doesn't have to be guilt-ridden. Yeah. Well, when I first met Wendy, this is what really struck me is that here is something that is so much healthier and more positive for people. Because we all have our own lives to tend to as well as others. And that this process is a process that should give us all hope and comfort. And if we decide we don't want to do it, then we don't do it. Have you ever had a couple, I'm sure you have, who come out of it and say, we're not going to do this after all? Yeah, and, you know, what we do in those
1: instances, sometimes we'll hit the pause button and wait while they pursue counseling or Mm -hmm. attempt a reconciliation. We've had several of those because you don't go straight to to court and and having all that ugly financial investment and, and, you know, throwing slop up on one another. You're in a position where you look at the good parts, you look at the bad parts, and you evaluate it, and you have choice. You're not operating under an artificial court deadline. You're choosing the timetable. And if you need to stop, you can. I would say more often than not, even after the holding period, couples most often come back and say, we're ready to divorce now. Once in a while, you have a true, final, lasting reconciliation mm-hmm. if the folks are willing to do their work. Yeah. But it's not hugely frequent, but at least then if they do divorce, it's for the right
0: reasons, having
1: done their work and having understood their part in it.
0: That's so interesting. That you, people do it on their time rather than on the court's time. Exactly. And that, that in and of itself is a very healthy thing. Thank you for all the tips and strategies you suggested, the examples you've given the explanation of what happens with collaborative divorce, the support system that is a part of it. And I have to say I admire you so much for the work that you do and for the care that you take for people um, and their their issues. So thank you again for coming on the program, Wendy. You are most welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you to all of our listeners. I want to remind everyone that there will be an archive of this show There is also an archive of our first show. Did you have missed that? Our first show was on uh, Tuesday, October 9th. So if you want to look back in the archives on mycaregivingcoach.com, you'll find that archive, and you'll find the one for today in another day or two. It'll be up on the website. So thank you again to everybody. Have a great afternoon. Goodbye.